right. The question we're talking about today is, should I, or why should I, get baptized? And I will not keep you in suspense, because it's the Christian thing to do. Uh, but let me explain that answer in, in a few different ways. But before we begin and talk about what baptism is and what it isn't, let's pray uh, together for our time. Dear God in heaven, we thank you for um, the blessedness of the way in which you answer prayer. You do not always answer it as we design, but according to your design, and ultimately for our better end and for your better glory. And we're thankful that, that you are a God sovereign in control and powerful over us, and that we go to you in prayer and you hear our prayer and you answer our prayer above and beyond what we could even ask or imagine. And we pray now that you would even answer our prayer to help us think through baptism and to rejoice in what baptism is and, and maybe for some of us be spurred on to um, pursue obedience to you in baptism. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The first question we need to talk about or answer in regards to baptism, just so we're all on the same page, is what is baptism? And that'll take us to our, our first slide, talk about the significance of baptism. What is baptism? And for this, I just want to just like have a, have a moment here where we, we actually have some you know, class participation. And you guys tell me what you see on a typical baptism service night. What, 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 what do you guys see? What happens at a baptism on a baptism service? At a baptism service. Anybody? Who, who is usually? Yes, go ahead. Someone reads their testimony, and then they get dunked in the water. Okay, there you go. Yes, that's exactly what I want. I want visuals. Thank you. So someone reads a testimony, right? That's what we see at a baptism service in, 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 our, in our church, and then they get plunged, more biblical term, uh, into water. Yes, anything else? What else do we see at a baptism service here at GBC? Anybody else? There's lots of... What, how does the service begin um, how does it end? Any, any, any other observations? Yes? Clarifying point, they get shot out back. <laughs> if you are wise enough to choose a certain pastor who is also able to deadlift 4,000 pounds, you will have, um, you will have the ability uh, to start the rapture soon. So, yeah, but it's all about who you choose. Pastor Steve can't launch you into the atmosphere. No. So yeah, there's that, there's that, right? I, I like to really show the rejoicing triumph of uh, uh, the born-again nature. So what else do we see? Uh, so coming out of the water, you see someone coming out of the water? What does that mean? What else do you see? What else do you see? If we see someone coming out, what does that imply? They win it. So right, we, you, you guys, uh, have you not been kids? Like, like I, every time there's a baptism service, I'm like always talking to my girls and, and a little bit about this with Andrew too, but it's mainly with Juliet and James. It's just like we're talking about like what they do. They go into the water. They go all the way under, right? That we don't see what we don't see. We don't see a little basin here with a little bit of water that we sprinkle on. We don't have a little um, thing pitcher uh, that you use to dump over. No, we we go all the way under here. What else do we do here that's distinct? Right? We read testimonies. We go all the way in the water, and then we rock it out. What, what else? What else? Anything else? Yes. We clap for them. We, yes. Right? Okay, perfect. You guys, are you feeling what I'm trying to do here? I, I'm, I'm not trying to go all spiritual on you. I want you guys to think about what you see. Yes, everybody is really excited, right? This doesn't happen every 
day. This is a very significant moment in the life of our church and in the life of this individual. What else do we see? What else happens? Yes, Drew. God's word is proclaimed. Yep. So, yep. Right. What else? Tears. Yes. Or is that water running down? The, no. Yes. But tears, probably. Yep. So we, we, yep, we sing a lot of songs that are kind of themed around the idea of re- regeneration, new life as a Christian, the gospel, those kinds of things. Anything else? Anything else? Yes? Matt? Pastor Steve usually clarifies that this doesn't save. Anybody. Right. There is a lot of instruction, right? This is not this. We're not doing this. Nothing is happening here to save anyone. Uh, we are doing something else. So there's clarification, very important. Yes? There's expectation to be Okay, so there is a there there is let, let me let me restate it, but that was a really good way to state it. But let me say it in very illustrative terms: We do not practice drive-by baptisms. This isn't like a uh, a service that we provide to the community, right? You don't see a sign on the outside of our building saying, "Would you like to get baptized? Would you like to transform your life? Come by here, six p.m. on a Sunday night, and we'll baptize you, and we'll never see you." Again, right? This is not the way we do things. We don't just baptize anyone. There is an expectation that you're going to see these people again, and they're going to be a part of this church, right? It's not just a uh, kind of just a thing we do outside of church membership. Very good. Yes. It's often closely entwined with membership. Yep. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You. Once again, we we do not see this as separated from the church and from the family of believers. Here, we see this as a as a as a as like an initial move into the family of God. Like this is becoming a member of this church in a way. Although it's different if you've already been baptized and you move to another church, you don't necessarily have to get baptized again, but that's kind of what we're symbolizing here. And that goes back to the, the point of instruction, right? These, this, is, this is kind of uh, meant to be a picture. And that's what I want to illustrate or to state for you even right now with this point. What is baptism? It is a picture. It is a picture. We have all of these these images that we are communicating in baptism. And it's supposed to be a picture, a vivid public picture of a significant spiritual truth. It's a lot of words to say a picture, but I'll repeat it again. It is a vivid public picture of a significant spiritual truth. We're trying to show an aspect of the gospel in picture form. That's what we're doing on Sunday night at a, at a baptism service. The word uh, baptism actually is just something called a transliteration, where we, we actually pronounce the Greek word um, that's being used there, and we just kind of turn it into an English word. Baptizo is the Greek word. You can hear where baptism comes from. But really, if we are being consistent with the way we translated the Bible, we should probably translate um, in your Bibles, every time you see baptism, it should probably be translated immersed or immersion. That's what the word baptism means. It is dipping or sinking or plunging something into water. And this is helpful. This is helpful. The, the, the New Testament is not talking about sprinkling. It's not talking about pouring water over someone. It is talking about plunging people into water and fully immersing them. That is what the word means. 
And so once again, that's why, that's why we see someone go into the water and then out, and they're all wet, and their hair is shot backwards, right? Because they're just completely soaked in water. And, and once again, this is a picture. It's a vivid picture to illustrate something. But the first thing you got to understand about this picture is it is supposed to depict an immersion into something. Matter of fact, sometimes the word baptism is not only used to refer to being immersed in something, but being placed in union with something. You are you are joined with this thing, but we don't. We won't talk about that right now. Um, so, in the New Testament examples that we see, we we see this idea of immersion, and that's why we follow the practice of fully going in the water. That's why we spent all that money on a baptistry and didn't just say, "Hey, let's just let's just shoot you with a water gun." Right? That's that's why we did that because we see this as a strong New Testament picture. Of, of serious, significant spiritual truth. And then another thing about New Testament examples, we also see that baptisms in the New Testament are immediate upon faith in Jesus Christ. You see that all throughout the book of Acts, especially, right? People come to faith in Christ, and kind of as an expression of faith and repentance, you are baptized immediately. Baptism immediately follows uh, faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. So this is what baptism is. It is meant to be a picture. It is a picture to illustrate spiritual truths. To illustrate spiritual truths. But let's move to the next slide here. Why should I get baptized? Why should I get baptized? Now I'm going to I'm going to kind of sink into this point a little bit because obviously this is the title of my sermon, so we're going to talk a little bit more about this point. And then the other few remaining points after this will be very quick. But we're going to spend a lot of time on why you should get baptized. But let me, let me first say that it is a public statement. I kind of referred to this a little bit in the definition of baptism, but uh, baptism is a public thing. It is a public thing in the, the church uh, life itself. It's not something you do behind closed doors. It's something you do where all the church can see and anybody from the community can also see. People know who gets baptized. Uh, the early church was known, the Christians were known in the early church as those who were baptized into Christ Jesus. So first off, it is a, it is a, you are saying something publicly, but let's get into what you're saying publicly. I've got a few subpoints here for what you are saying publicly. Number one, you are saying publicly that I want to obey Christ. I want to obey Jesus. And perhaps you know exactly where I'm going here. But if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, this is the first command that Jesus gives to anyone who would want to come after him. And follow him, be his disciple. What do you need to do? You need to place your faith in him, but he also wants you to um, kind of declare that as well, confess that publicly. Um, Jesus says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey all that I command you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You are saying publicly, I want to obey Jesus. I want to be his disciple. And the, the first way you show that you want to be Christ's disciple is you obey the first thing he tells you to do. Be baptized. Notice, making disciples means uh, you are baptized and you're also growing. You're, you're, you're 
receiving instruction. You're being taught. So therefore, why, why should you get baptized? Number one, well, because it's what Christ commands you to do. This is, this is the, basic, the basic beginning of the Christian life. This is, this is the best reason, right? Christ tells me to get baptized, tells me to say, I want to obey Christ, I love Christ, and I don't care who knows it, basically, to anyone who will listen. This is why you should get baptized. It is a true evidence of a transformed life and faith when you are willing to tell everyone that you want to follow and obey Christ. And not only that, you, you, you say, hey, I want you guys to kind of hold me accountable. You'll, you know I'm a Christian now, you know that I want to obey Christ, and, and because I'm telling all of you that I want to obey Christ, that means... You guys can hold me to a certain standard. You can expect things of me and how I live from here on out. So it's a, it's a big deal to be baptized, right? Saying, I want to follow Christ. But let's look at another reason. You are also publicly saying that the triune God is your God. Or you see, I put it there in the first person, singular. The triune God is my God. That is what you are saying publicly when you are baptized. Now this brings us back to what we talked about with the Trinity, but did you notice the Trinitarian nature of the baptism that the Lord Jesus prescribes to first uh, to disciples that are becoming that are followers of Him? Right, He says, "Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the singular name." We've talked about this of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are saying this Triune God is my God once again. The, the Trinitarian nature of our faith is distinctive. It is the beginning of our faith. It's what we believe about God, and it transforms the way we think about all of life, right? It transforms how we think about today and for, for eternity, right? When you realize that you worship a triune God, everything changes. Everything changes. And if you want to know more about that, listen to the sermon from last week. But, but remember, the core of our faith is a faith in the Trinitarian God. The Athanasian Creed, once again, we worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither confounding their persons nor dividing their essence. Now, now by the way, let me just clarify. When you are being baptized, you are not just saying, look at how great I am, I have chosen to follow God, I finally decided to bring my skills to the South Beach, as James, uh, LeBron James would say. I have, I have chosen to become a disciple of Jesus. That's really not what you're saying when you say you believe in the triune God. Because you remember what we said about who gets all the praise, who gets all the glory for your salvation when you worship and serve a triune God, God gets all the praise. God gets all the glory. You're not saying, man, look at how great I am for finding God. You're no, no you're, you're basically making a public statement saying, God has been so gracious and merciful to me. You're saying the, the triune God has made me one of his precious people. He has chosen to associate himself with me. Think about that. The triune God has chosen to associate himself with you. The second person of the Trinity has humbled himself, taken on the form of humanity to associate with you. The Father God has set his love and willed your salvation. The Holy Spirit has come to reside within you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit associates with you. What are you saying in baptism? And I choose to publicly associate with 
my triune God as well. That's what you're saying. My God has willed my discipleship. My God has worked for my salvation. My God has wrapped me in his saving security. And I can do, I can only simply say that I want to publicly announce that I am his disciple as well. You could also say, uh, because God has loved me first, now I enjoy eternal communion with the triune God. Once again, why, why should you be baptized? Well, it's very simple, right? The, the triune God has chosen to associate with me. What else can I do? I must publicly declare that I am one of his people, right? It's, it's the very least I can do. He has done much more for me than, than my public declaration right now can return to him. This is a small return for all of the mercy and grace he has done for me. Once again, all you're saying is the triune God is my God. And that's not a statement of how impressive you are. That's a statement of how impressive your God is and how a public affirmation of his lordship in your life is only fitting, only fitting, right? Let's, let's talk about another thing you are saying publicly. Number three, you are saying publicly the major events of Christ's life are counted to me. When you are being baptized, you are saying publicly that the major events of Christ's life are counted to me or belong to me. Uh, he did these great things and they are credited to my account. I get to experience the benefits of the major events of his life. Let me try to explain it. Once again, baptism is a picture. It has imagery of going down into the water and of coming up. And this is significant because the actual going under and coming up is reenacting what Christ has done for you and what you have received in Christ, right? You are reenacting the gospel truth. I'm going to read to you Romans 6. You can write this down. You don't need to turn there. Romans 6, 3 through 4 says this. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Notice the idea. In baptism, you're brought into union with Christ, and the things Christ did, died on the cross, uh, risen again, are, are counted to you and have spiritual significance on your life. And in baptism, you're, you're claiming that all of these major events of Christ's life are credited to me because I am in union with Christ through the Spirit. And I can claim Christ's death as my death. And I can claim Christ's life as my life. Once again, in Christ means I am united in his death and judgment of, my, of Christ counted to me. My sin was paid for. My death was accomplished. The, the justice of my sin is satisfied because I died in Christ. Judgment towards sin was for my sin in Christ's death. And that's what you're saying. This, this, this has been credited to me as I'm going down. And then as you're being pulled up, you, you say that in Christ I am united in his resurrection as well. God has 
received, received the work of Christ and accepted. And I now have a promise of newness of life. That's what Romans 6 is talking about. And Paul is saying there in Romans 6, how can you just keep living like sin doesn't matter or that, that sin just gives you more grace. No, you have been born again. You have been raised with Christ. And now sin is distasteful and obedience is sweet. That's what you're saying. I have been united with Christ in his death and his resurrection. Therefore, I cannot keep on sinning as I used to. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. That I was freed from in the death of Christ, and now I've been raised, as it says in Romans 6, I've been raised with him to walk in newness of life. That's what you're saying when you're baptized. These major events of Christ's life are counted to me. I am different. I am changed because I have been united with Christ through the immersion of the Spirit. Now let me just say, for clarification's sake, Um, If that is the case, if being baptized with Christ is so spiritually significant, am I I lacking those spiritual benefits um, as long as I am unbaptized? Or, Or are we only united with Christ in this way, in his death and his resurrection, when we are baptized? Is baptism that significant? And I would say, no. I would say, no, this, this water baptism that we are doing here on a Sunday night is only a picture, right? It's a picture pointing back to a spiritual baptism that has already occurred. We're saying, this has truly happened to me, and I'm testifying to it. And that's what I think Paul is saying here. Romans 6 is not